see, it says, but we're probably almost done. We're probably not. All right, looks like we're live. Maybe. Let's see. All right, everybody. First of all, this is not Whiskey Wednesday. This is Thursday. Yeah. We're, uh, this has now been a, this is now a campaign to change the name of Thursday, taking it away from the almighty Thor and going for thirst, Thursday. I think it's, I think, I think we should start a definite trend. Joining me here tonight, uh, of course, is uh, an unruly mob of people that are here to drink whiskey. Yeah, let's hear it for the unruly mob. Yay. And uh, the senior brand ambassador, it's just a lofty title. Senior brand ambassador. Gordon Dunnis is here with us today, and he's uh, going to be going through some of one of my sort of favorite undiscovered although it's becoming a little bit more discovered, distilleries, uh, Glen going. And we're gonna go through a four expression uh, tasting of that tonight. And you're gonna bring us up to date on what's been going on there. Absolutely, yeah, no, we, yeah. we're gonna go through these four drams and uh, undiscovered's a nice touch. I mean, for me, undiscovered probably just means small. Um, yeah. But, uh, you know, yeah, absolutely. Um, it's a it's a cracking distillery, and uh, four cracking drafts to go through. Can't wait to go through these with this unruly. You know, the the good part about it, it is actually a very small distillery. It is, and but it's beautiful. It is beautiful. beautifully small. Oh, maybe that's your catchphrase. It beautifully is, small. It's beautifully small. At five seven of me, I'm going with that one. It's it's <laughs> it's beautifully small, unlike me. Um, it's perfectly formed unlike me and uh it's highly inefficient like me so um why is that well i mean it is a small distillery it's one of the most visited distilleries so pre-covid probably one of the most visited distilleries in scotland who's been to glengoyne that would be me i right. love that place all right so you've been i knew you two have been i could just tell um yeah. usually there's something you can tell the people is there something a little bit off about them yeah yeah, yeah. and they go oh you visited see okay yeah they've got you've, you've got that look of i know i know um i know things i know things that people in here and i drink yeah, yeah exactly and i'm slightly unruly but yeah no um yeah it's a cracking distillery it's um it's it is small i mean it's a million liters and it's it's but it is if i was to say to you ryan you've been you know what does a scotch whiskey distillery look like glenn goins about pretty much what most people would think i mean there's some beautiful distilleries in scotland there's some ones that aren't quite as beautiful um Tam -do isn't, oh, oh. isn't particularly beautiful yeah, but it makes great whiskey nice. yeah but um the point is it's it's a beautiful distillery and if and it's very near glasgow so it actually has a lot of accessibility um and does anybody know the interesting fact about glengoyne you're not allowed to answer it actually spans two regions yes. so as you drive up to glengoyne Mm -hmm. You take a left down into the car park, and that is the lowland region where the warehouses are. You then walk across the road in a northerly direction into the distillery, and you're into the highlands. So it's a highland distilled, lowland matured uh, whiskey, which I would love to say is what makes this distillery taste different. It's got no. But that would be that. a lie. That would be that would be a plain lie. It's uh, it fifty meters makes all the difference over an imaginary line. 
you know, but it is actually is it is sort of uh, it is sort of cool though. It is very because cool. first of all, you you see this distillery, and if you were to think of whiskey making as a cottage industry, hmm. and you say like, okay, I have this I have this uh, romantic idea of what a distillery should be and what it should look like. Yeah, blend going fits that bill. Totally. And then you add the weird part of that, the fact that when you walk across the road, you're now in the lowlands. Mm-hmm. So you're distilling in the highlands and aging in the lowlands. Yeah. Uh, just to add a little bit more quirk to that. Mm-hmm. Um, that again would be Glen Going. Absolutely. It's very Glen Going. And, you know, it's painted white. You know, if I didn't do what I did, I'd sell white paint to whiskey distilleries. There's a, there's a guy in Isla who does it. He drives around in a Rolls Royce. They need to paint those distilleries every six months. It's like the Fourth Road Bridge. Do you remember that story? <laughs> Fourth Road Bridge is the big bridge over the River Fourth. By the time they finish painting it, they need to start again at the other end. Distilleries are like that. And, I drank uh, a fifth on the fourth. Did you? Yeah. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Nice. I didn't have to paint it. <laughs> so I'm okay with that. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it really does epitomize a, you know, a, 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 what a Scotch whiskey distillery is like. But it is, you can walk around the still house in about two seconds. It's not a big, big distillery. Um, but the one thing that when I joined, I came from, I came from another business, um, another distillery close to my heart, but more. Um, and um, what I noticed immediately was I moved from, from a slightly bigger business into a family business. Right. Um, and just to give you a little bit of insight into Glen Goyne and how it became part of Ian McLeod. Ian McLeod is a family-run whiskey business that's been running since 1933, but only bought Glen Goyne in 2003. So what, what were they doing for 70 years in the whiskey industry? Mm-hmm. A lot of somebody asked me. Well, they were doing everything except producing. So if we think about the secret of Scotch whiskey, the secret of Scotch whiskey is actually why it's so successful is you have all these distilleries producing unique styles around the country because historically the whiskey trading and all that whiskey was moving around for blending. So your people were buying peated whiskeys for blending and these ones. So you had your distinctive style to sell it to blenders, not to sell single malt ultimately. Um, so Ian McLeod were brokers initially. They were the ones that were, so you, you, you you over there, so maybe the Diageo of the day versus the whoever of the day, you want some of that. They can't be seen to be doing business directly. So they were brokers in the middle. And so they were very much involved in the movement of whiskey. And I don't think people, you know, we, we've come to this this romanticization of single malt. Yeah. And still, even to this day, is, is the majority of whiskey that is sold across the world is is blended yeah. uh, uh, Scotch, Scotch whiskey. Um, and so the, the the blending part of this has not remotely gone away. No, you still blend single malts unless right. they're a single cask. Um, you're blending different casks from one distillery, so you're still blending. Right. Um, blending is almost looked on as an evil word by some people. Um, I call it the art of the blend. I think I used to work for, it is the art. Blending is a real art form. So whether you're blending single malt, you're blending blends, or you're blending blended malts, there's too many blends going on there. Yes. Um, you know, I was having this discussion today about malts and about um, single malts are fabulous because of the diversity in, in, in Scotland. You've got heavily peated to Ockentoshan at one end. I mean, that's about as wide as you're going to get. Um, but there is also a reason why you would potentially blend single malts together, blended malts. But I think that category suffers because of the word blend. Mm-hmm. I agree with you. Uh, and I really think, why would you not bring different single malts together? It, it would be a really good thing to do. Some people have done it, and it, they, you produce great whiskeys. But That'd single be a malt, blended malt. Yeah, for those of you yeah, wondering what the 
correct phraseology would be, I guess. And I think that's something that we'll see a bit more of in the coming years. But the point is, we're talking about single malt today, and we're talking about Glen Goyne. And Glen Goyne has been involved in blends in the past. Of course it has. Um, but when we took it over, so going back very quickly to Ian McLeod, he, um, they bought the distillery in 2003, having done initially broking, then they moved into bottling. They, they basically, their big breakthrough was doing the malts for Sainsbury's in the UK. Yeah. Um, and then basically they decided we need to get our own distillery. Um, so they purchased Glen Goyne from Edrington, who are the owners of McAllen in 2003 and extended the range over that period from a 10, a 17 and a 21 to what you see up to 25, 30, even a 50. Um, but the best story is Leonard, who's our owner, is uh, I think this is the only word you could describe him as a maverick. He is a maverick of this industry. He is, I think it's a strong word, but he he's he's a he, he lives does, up to every syllable. He, he, of it. he does things his his own way. Yeah. He's a great great guy, and his son Tom's in the you know in the fourth generation in the business. Um, and uh, so they took, I believe, they took the Edrington board out for lunch. This is in the sort of. Softening them up to purchase uh, Glen Goyne at a, at a horse racing event in, in Scotland, I think. And uh, sat down for lunch. Nine o'clock. Nine o'clock in the evening, they were still sitting around the lunch table. And uh, that's what I call a proper lunch, by the way. Um, and uh, I think... Come home, I only had one meal. I, I know. I'll just, we'll just have dinner as well. Um and finally, the deal was done. So that following week, the money went through. And Leonard, people a bit nervous about what was going on at Glen Goyne, walks in and goes, I have absolutely no beep idea how to make single malt, far less Glen Goyne. Please carry on, do what you're doing. And there are people still working there from that day forwards uh, to, to, to today. You know, and always, it, 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 and I love that story. And the reason why I love that story is because so many times uh, today, you see them, uh, people who buy other distilleries, and they start changing it. Well, why did you buy the distillery? You always have to ask yourself, why did you buy the distillery in the first place? Well, I really loved what they did. Okay, so why are you changing? That? Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, you know, if you come in and go, I hate everything they're doing, and I'm buying it to change everything, that's another thing. But most people come in to buy something, they want it because they think it's great and it's got this great potential. If they keep making stuff like this and I can bring on more people as an audience, it, it's it, the upside is, is great. And we've even seen now some bigger companies now that have finally taken on that sort of logic and say like, oh, we bought it, leave it alone. You know, maybe there's some economies to scale we can fix, but pretty much leave it alone. Let them make the whiskey. They've been doing a great job. Let it go on. And then let's see where we go from there. So. I, that's couldn't that's agree, really what happened. Couldn't agree more. Um, a prime example of that was, yeah, couldn't agree more. I think when Suntory got involved in Scotch, they let the guys get on with it initially before anything beam Suntory happened. Yeah, you want to see what happens. Like, and and, and they, they, they were very, very, very hands-off, which was good. I don't, now, I've, I've said they've run unruly crowd. They've been pretty good. but They've, they've been not, very quiet. They're not they, at a drum yet. Yeah, but they haven't had anything to drink. Right. And that's going to turn ugly in a minute. So... I would say let's get on with the drinking part of our show. So can I just say to the unruly crowd, um, just want to say, look, there's a reason this is orange. It's so you can find it in an emergency. So that's why we made it orange. Um, 
find it. No, we made it orange because it's re to represent the stills. The stills are not quite that color, but it's to represent the copper within the stills. Um, we also well, Glen Golding has to have the most copper of any distillery I've ever seen. Uh, it's got a lot. It's got a lot. It's got a lot. Everything's of copper. It's got, yeah, it's got a lot of copper. I once got asked a question. Don't ask me this question because I won't be able to answer it. Uh, how? What's the length of the copper piping from the from the back of the uh, from the tanks to the up to the uh, far? That was like to the, um, the technical to the, answer is far. It's a long way. Yeah, there's copper piping where the where the where the uh, spirit runs through. So from the tanks to the spirit safe. I'm like, I, I have absolutely no idea. I mean, I could measure it, but I'm really not. I mean, I had to use the bathroom. There, the, there was copper in the bathroom. Yeah, yeah, no, there's copper, copper everywhere. Copper everywhere. Just in so, case anything happens to, you know. Yeah, uh, yeah. So let's try the 10. But I tell you what, you know, one of the things, if I was to take you to 10 different Scotch whiskey distilleries around Scotland, um, we all know that we may use the same malt, whether it's peated or not. We use uh, water as water to a certain extent, but not totally. Uh, yeasts are fairly standard in Scotch whiskey, whereas in bourbons they're not. They need to be a little bit different. Um, uh, but the, one of the idiosyncrasies we have at Glengoyne is two things. We have one spirit, one wash still, sorry, two spirit stills. Uh, so we have, it's a, it's a two distillation, but we split it between two spirit stills. That's all about copper contact. That's all about generating more reflux. Coming on to the 10, which you then knows that beautiful fruitiness in this tenure. Absolutely. This is a the, the green apples, fresh green apples, pears, those yeah. types of flavors is, is what Glengoyne is. Um, and it's a fabulous, uh, fabulous fruity style, which we showcase through all these whiskeys. So the 10 is a great one to, to just get that big fruit sort of from the, from the, you know, from the uh, from the spirit as it changes. This is also like years. pretty. It's a little bit distillate driven. It sort of gives you the baseline of what yeah. what the stills are really sort of capable of. And this is the flavor. This is the base flavor. Everything else is going to sort of play off of. I think that's absolutely fair. There's thirty percent first fill sherry casks in here. The rest is refill casks. Casks we've used before. Forty percent. This is this is your 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 entry. I mean, yeah, I hate the word sort of. Starting point, entry point, but it is your it's your everyday it's your drinker. It's your it's baseline. Like, yeah, but it's yeah. And I hate that it, you're right because we we sort of we sort of cast it off as saying like, no, this is it. This is your entry level. Yeah, but it, this is your everyday drinker. Yeah, this is you're coming home from work. You're looking, you know, I, I in, in the dark you could find the orange box, <laughs> okay, whatever. Yeah. But but power cup. But but this is something that like you you could have every day and you'd yeah, be yeah. perfectly happy with having this every day yeah yeah so um and it also listen it, it is the baseline and if this isn't good nothing else from this point can be good no that's very true that right? is very true you know you, it, blank going in you get blank out right yeah, so, so it, you have to have something good going into the the beginning to get something out later on. Well, as I was always, and this is absolutely right. If you want to, if you want a great single malt range, you will come to your set. Great single malt. You've got to go through. You've got to be able to taste. You've got to be able to taste Glen Goyne in each whiskey. Now, to differing degrees, it's very easy to make a whiskey just taste of casks. You can do that. It's very easy to do that. So if you've got an average spirit, you put it in a great cask, you might get a pretty okay whiskey. You've got a great spirit and you put it in really bad casks, you're going to get a bad whiskey every single time. But if you've got a great spirit and you use great casks, sky's the limit. That's what happens. And that's what's great. John, did you have a question? 
great tasks. Sky's the limit. That's what happens. And that's what's great. John, did you have How, Well, is, is, John is alluding to the fact that it's going to be like 90 degrees this weekend. Is it? Yeah. Why is it going to be here? 90 degrees? Because you're leaving. leaving. You're leaving. Uh, and that's why I go and have fun in Scotland because I know the weather will change there too. Yeah, yeah. Um, but but that sort of hot weather, this this is one of those whiskeys that would play nice with uh, plenty of flavor if you wanted to uh, put a a big block of ice in it. Uh, it's, it's like nice and cool, nice highball, highball with this highball. thing. You know, so this is this is one and at a good price point that you no, know, let's get a lot of flavor, but you're not afraid to to have some experimentation with it. It's got all the things you want in a whiskey: mixability, great taste. You know, drink it whenever you want, even near breakfast, and you can find it in emergency. There's really nothing else you need in whiskey. Well, everybody knows what I'm going to say now, right? Can't drink all day unless you start in the morning. That's a fact. So, all right. So, what do you guys think of the ten? Can't drink all day unless you start. Right. So, actually, everybody here has a bottle of 10. That's why they all were like, That's, yeah, yeah, they're like, yeah, they're like, thank They were like, thank goodness I bought this thing. I didn't even know it was going to be any good, but they all have a bottle of 10 to take home with them and enjoy for the 90 degree weather this weekend. Yeah. So um, kudos to you guys. I'll be over. Let me know what time. Yeah. All I mean, right. I think, I think what I, you know, I, I, and you'll see with the 12, how we drive a little bit of difference in it in terms of, well, it's two years older, but actually it's all about the casks. Um, other things that you may not know about Glengoyne, just a couple of things. Everything you see and drink tonight is natural color. There is never any caramel added. We don't add, don't do that. Um, and actually, you know, it's something that I'm very proud of. It's something that we, as a small producer, it's easier, if I'm honest, for us to produce whiskeys, but we color consistency and, and getting the taste the same. If you're a smaller distillery, is actually harder because you have less to choose from. But uh, right, you can't you can't sort of mellow it out over no, over a bigger. Yeah. But um, um, that's what that's what we do, and it's very close to our hearts in terms of uh, in terms of our production and everything that you drink tonight. Nothing is finished; it's all full maturation. So our ten year old is thirty percent in first fill sherry, all at least ten years old. All the refills are ten years old, and they're blended together. There you go. There I knew you were going to get that blended part in there. <laughs> All right. So um, if you guys, just to make sure uh, everybody with their trays, the arrow is pointing towards you and everything's etched. You found number one, no problem. Number two is uh, right uh, uh, to the right and above that. Um, and that is going to be the number 12 or the 12 uh, year old. That is the 12 in the red books. Um, uh, yeah. So, I mean, obviously it's just like, you know, co-level uh, midnight. It is. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Orange box, red box, red fox, park bench. Yeah. Um, no, I mean, very simply, we did a rebrand of Glengoyne, as you may, some of you have may noticed. Um, what drove that? Well, the first thing was Glengoyne is probably one of the most, and I'll put this in a little bit of context, one of the most old sustainable distilleries. So it's not a new distillery. It's never going to be you know, carbon zero, everything, because it's a very old setup and very everything. And we need to continue to try and move towards that. But one of the things that we did when this rebrand, we were very conscious of was these exterior packaging, which I think there's going to be a big move on in the next few years. And I think you'll see certain single malts appearing with no packaging. So what did we want to do? Well, we wanted to firstly rebrand it. Glengoyne is Valley of the Wild Geese. So the goose is very front and center, which it wasn't maybe so much before. We also used to use tubes, as you know, with metal ends, and they're not particularly environmentally friendly. They are not necessarily locally sourced. And, you know, in this day and age, particularly with what's going on at the moment, um, 
we wanted to source all of our cardboard and things within Scotland as much as we can. So all the packaging from the range up from 10 up to the 21 is all uh, recycled 91%, all in from Scotland and is fully recyclable. So you can drop that box safely when you get it home into a recycle bin and it will be recycled, which I'm afraid for a lot of whiskey packaging that's is not the not case. The case. <coughs> well, that's good. All right. So, that's, so yeah. Number 12. Now tell us that now, the 12 year old. Yeah. What I, what I do like about what Glenn going does is you see this in some of the other distilleries around the globe, not just in Scotland. Is we just aged it two more years. It's the same. We've aged it more. So now you can see what age does. That's not what Glenn Gohan's all about. The 12 is a different beast than the 10, not because of the two year difference though. No, it's not. And, and yeah, it's firstly 3% stronger, um, but it's not. It's it's the addition of bourbon casks that brings in the, the difference of this. And so the 10 is a little bit sort of caramelly, but quite soft, sort of gentle, very gentle toffee, but bold sort of green fruits. And this is a little bit more creamy vanilla, a little bit more lemon, sort of citrus zest, almost a little bit. A little more, zesty, more zesty. It's a little bit more zesty. It's a little bit more front palate sweetness. It's a little bit more, almost as I was describing earlier, a bit more sort of spring-like, a little bit more like, you know, that sort of the first shoots of spring coming through, a little bit more of that zestiness. Um, I love the difference between these. I really do. Um, and, you know, having a 12 that's so different to our 10 makes us makes a really different, because it's very rare to have a 10 and a 12 in the same range. And that's down to more legacy in terms of, in terms of Glen Goyne had a 10, a 17, and a 21 when we took it over. So we added the 12 and kept the 10. Mm -hmm. But uh, I love the fact that they're very different. By the simple addition of a little bit of bourbon, first fill bourbon casks into the uh, into the sort of blend, the, the, the mix, as it were. So um, that just drives a little bit more. We know what we get flavor-wise from bourbon casks. Married with a little bit of sherry and those refill casks. And you just get a diff totally different Glen Goyne experience. You know what's weird I find about it is that I really don't. We always look at age as just a number. And it's a, in this case, I think that's very quite true. You, you, you buy the 10 or the 12 based on the flavor profile and not the age. I, 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 get, I guess to see if I put both of these debt whiskeys down blind. You'd have people picking one or the other, not really thinking one's older than the other. No. Um, but it would they, but they would now taste on just profile. Mm. Like, how does this one taste? How does this one hit you? And I think the ten and the twelve, even though you know, obviously when you do twelve, it has to be a little bit more expensive because time is money and money is time. Even though the flavor profiles are are so different that I think you could have a favorite, and doesn't necessarily always have to be. The older no, you and I both know this from from running, you know, how many shows have we been behind the table at? And everybody always comes up and, you know, they want to skip the 10. They want to go to the 18 or the 15 or the 18 or the 21 because they're always interested in just the age. And they're not getting the interesting parts of like something like these 10 and 12 that are really cool to taste side by side. And if you have any left, I know this unruly crowd doesn't, but if you have any left to go back and forth between the two, mm -hmm. just to see the, the flavor profiles, I don't think you're going to like, you're going to have a favorite, but it's not going to be based on age. 
How's that? that makes no, sense. it's going to be based on nose, and flavor, on right? Palate. Yeah, right. absolutely. I mean, I am. I actually going back to highballs, and I just want to tell you a story about highballs. Um, this isn't a dirty story, is it? No, it's not. Okay. No, I, I, uh, no. Well, I could get all you say highballs and go a very different way. <laughs> um, the twelve for me actually is a better highball whiskey, um, but that's fine. I'll, I'll mix the ten, and you know, why is that? It's a little bit lighter, zestier, works a little bit right. better, but. Um, uh, I, so I used to work. I, I went to Japan in 2019 for the Rugby World Cup. I've been to Japan a lot. I used to work for Suntory. I've been educated in highballs uh, in terms of how they do them. But we landed in Japan uh, for the Rugby World Cup. Rugby's a game we play in Europe. I'm not sure you particularly know it over here, but uh, it's a great position game. number two hooker. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Very good. And um, we uh, we landed, we bit jet lagged, and we went to this highball drinking place till ridiculous o'clock in the morning. And this, this and and we we're all big rugby guys, and in Japan people are not quite as big as we are. And there's this little waitress who was utterly hilarious, and she couldn't see over the t- so the way the bar was. She couldn't see it. She used to just she just walk past us every ten minutes and go highball, and we all went highball. And from then on, a highball is a highball. And I'm sure you did that quite a few times. <laughs> but yeah, great. I mean, uh, so yeah, the 12 is a great high, highball highball drink, um, but either of them are. And it, the point is, mix drinks as much as you want. Just get out there and do whatever. So I always, people say. But I get enough flavor to do them that you can do that type of stuff, though. Yeah, no, absolutely. You're still going to taste the whiskey. Absolutely. It's not going to get lost anywhere. Oh, no, I mean, come on to the, 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 the cast strength. I'll tell you how I drink that. I mean, I, I, I have numerous of the wonderful Glencairn glasses at home. They're great for nosing and tasting and discovering. For me, they're not for relaxing. Maybe it's because they associate it a little bit more with work or whatever. Yeah. I want a big rocks glass with a big amount of whiskey in it and a large ice cube because it's so hot in Scotland. Um, you know. I've heard they've had that problem. Yeah, yeah. So um, Two days out of the year. Yeah. Yeah. One of them was yesterday. So, yeah. You weren't there. That's why. Exactly. Um, but um, so that, yeah, I mean, that's just, it, it's just, yeah, just get on and do it. But I mean, these two whiskeys are really, really different because of the addition of bourbon gas in the 12. Yeah. What do you guys um, think of the 12? Unruly crowd. What do we think? Like, but very different than the 10, right? So, I mean, it's, it's, you can have a favorite and it not necessarily will always be 10, 12, right? So, uh, that's what I like about it. You can have a favorite and it not necessarily will always be 10, 12, right? So, uh, that's what I like about it. Yeah, the aged. Yeah. Not, ne- not, right. not necessarily. Age, age is a number, but it depends on what you're doing. So you're right. Right. You can't, don't pick your whiskey by the numbers. No. This isn't a paint by number thing. No. Pick your whiskey by the flavor profile and the taste. And if somebody will let you taste the whiskey from the 10 to the 18, you should do so. I yeah, I, I do. You know what I'm saying? You should do so. In this case, we're gonna do we're actually gonna try 10, 12, 21. Yeah, we're we're going nine years difference between the second and third whiskeys. But and then we're going to oh something that doesn't have an age. Ooh. No Ooh. NAS. Uh, NAS. And again, the same applies. It might not have a number on it, but NAS. You'll see. You'll see. You'll see. You'll see. All right. Who wants to try? Who wants? Now, and it always is fun to have, like, you know, you're doing tasting like this, is to have one that pops off like this, like a 21-year-old. Mm. That's fun. But you're prepared now for that because mm-hmm. you've had the 10. You've had the 12. You're prepared for it now. So yeah, yeah. let's go to number three. 
on your on your uh, on your tray, and that is the Glenn going twenty one. Yeah. So, tell us about this one, Glenn. Well, firstly, it's it's twenty one years old. Uh, get that out there. Um, no, like the twenty one is Glenn going for a lot of people is about sherry casks and has been over years. We use a lot of Oloroso sherry casks, um, not exclusively. I mean, I, we if you find the chapter one, buy it. It's fabulous. Very it's good. gone now. So if there you was see a, it, go buy it. So chapter sit, one. Sitting in here normally, let's just go back to the there's a there's a let's go back to the the, so the elephant in the, in the room. room. Yeah, there's something there. There's, a, there's the, normally there'd be a 15 and an 18 and and uh, the 15 got withdrawn uh because of stock issues. Um the 18 is not sorry. He has two at home. He's bragging, he's got two at home. I've got a case. <laughs> I'm joking. Cracking whiskey. You, you never know. You might see it again fairly soon. You never know. You never know. Um, and there's an 18 that sits in here. But what when the we, we brought out the Legacy series, uh, which was a no age statement, uh, 48%. Um, and the first one was very sherry cask forward. Yeah. It's all about key people from the legacy of the distillery. The second one's all about the Russell family, which I sort of indicated a little bit earlier about Ian McLeod. Much more bourbon cask. And that's not going to be chapter two. One. That's chapter, chapter two, two, which hasn't been here yet. It's coming, and chapter three has already been released in the UK. So, um, and it's uh, it's it's all about a, a, a guy called Mister Tedder, who was a duty, all involved in duty, and how he influenced the sort of laws of Scotch whiskey now. So, um, that that series sort of sits in here, and and cask strength sits in there in terms. Yeah, of we're going to try price, that one last. We're going to try that last. So then you get into. From the 18 up to 21, 25, and 30, you're into real sherry cask land. You're into you're into European oak. Uh, you're into those sort of rich, dark flavors that you Spanish European oak delivers. Um, that toasting opens it up. You're into deep, deep, rich raisins, yeah, dark chocolate, those types of flavors. Sinister. A little bit of a, a little bit of a Christmas. Should you should you? Yeah. It sort of invokes a little bit of Christmas yeah. in you. Oh, yeah, you know? yeah, I get that. Um, oh, I was, I meant sinister. I meant Santa. <laughs> okay. Satan. No, I'm sorry. Um, oh, so imagine yourself snowy Christmas time. Okay. Fat man stuck in a chimney. This is what smoke filling the room. Smoke filling the room. This is what you're about to have. So, yeah, no, this is all European oak sherry. First fill as well yep. as um, refill in there. And this just has all those flavors you want from European oak sherry. This it does has that is that has that spice. It has yeah. that dark fruit. It's got exactly you know it's got a little bit of that anami uh, yeah yeah definitely. sort of flavor definitely. to it. And all the sweetness driven now much more further, further back, back in the palate. And so it's a little bit between. I sort of like to sort of describe it a little bit as if you, if you eat milk chocolate, you get the sweetness at the front. Yeah, yeah. But like a bourbon. If you have a bourbon, the sweetness is. It's actually at the tip of your tongue before you've even drunk it, you know, but I love bourbon and um, because it's all American oak and it's, you know, but European oak drives it all towards the back and you get, it's like eating milk chocolate or dark chocolate, 70, 80% dark chocolate at the back. So I get the most of the feeling on this one for me is like in back in the center of my tongue, like past the tip into the center of my tongue. That's where it sort of sits, it sort of sits for me. Mm-hmm. But the, but those richer sort of flavors, those the, the are, are definitely uh, apparent. Yeah. And it's a thicker, more viscous whiskey as well. What do you guys think of the 21? Yeah, you have a question, sir? And it's a thicker, more viscous whiskey as well. 
What do you guys think of the 21? Cast strength. We're going to okay. get to that. That's yeah. our next whiskey. And I'll, I'll, we'll, cast strength will explain exactly what cast strength means. We'll get Welcome. to that. Yeah, we'll get to that. Um, You're jumping ahead, sir. You flipped the page. We haven't gotten there yet. Exactly what cast strength means. We'll get Welcome. to that. Yeah, we'll get to that. Um, You're jumping ahead, sir. You flipped the page. But, sir, let, let me, so this is, uh, this is bottled at 43, 86 proof. Um, so, of course, what we can sort of start a little bit on that is, yeah, sure. When we Let's bring these small amounts of cast together. So, as I said, our stock profile is sort of like that, right? Okay, we're like a never, triangle. We're, we're, yeah, we're, we're sort of near the very top now. We're at the sort of, you know, uh, we're, so we don't have loads of volume of 21. So it is getting harder to find, but that's the way it is. It's really um, hard to find. Like the last couple of bottles are here right now. Yeah, but, there's, <laughs> but there is some there is some ships on the way. With with containers full of Langoin. Yeah. Which is great. I'll be waiting for those. Yeah. I've been waiting a while. <laughs> Sorry. Um, but uh, yeah, no, so Glengoin, so, so this is 21. So we're near the tip of our sort of, you know, our sort of stock profile. So, so you know, you're going to get a little bit of variability when you get up to these sort of ages in our 25 and our 30. They're not, if you get a, you're not going to be exactly the same, but the, the, the quality is still great across the all. Um, you can so, only mix so much you're in your stock. Course, you're stuck at a certain point. You can't go below 21. Can't so, go below 21. Of so course, you could start putting 25s and 30s. In well, that. why would you do that? that's happened. Why would but you do that? Yeah. I don't know. But yeah. So that'd be silly. But whatever. that would be very silly. So that, so that's the sort of pressure. It's happened before. <laughs> it has happened before. And that's one of the things about being a small distillery. If you're if you're a big distillery with bigger stocks, you can pull on more stocks to give you more consistency. When you've got a small distillery, that's harder. Um, and it's just the way it is. Um, but uh, we're still buying ridiculous amounts of sherry casks at $1,500 each uh, to, to think about making that whiskey as good as it is now in 21, 22 years. So... That's the madness of this industry when you think about it. And even simple things now. And I know that there's, I've, you know, I know. Even 10 years. I mean, you're, you're trying to see something 10 years out. They can't predict the weather for the next day. Well, I know. And you get to yeah. put, put down whiskey and put stocks down 10 years to, to know that what the demand is going to be 10 years from now, 12 years from now, 21 years. From now. Exactly. Exactly. So it's, it's a mad mental industry and it's all very cash, cash heavy at the front, which is, um, you know, uh, an interesting you know, your rewards are later on as a as a whiskey producer. But certainly, um, you know, buying two, three million pounds worth of casks now for whiskey, you're not going to realize till at least 10 or 12 years into the future, if not way longer than that, just makes you sort of realize how how silly this is. <laughs> not silly, but it's, you know, why, why are we buying really good sherry casks? Because it makes all the difference. And I want to just tell you one really small point about sherry casks is, uh, very few people mature in them. Very few people mature in them full term. Uh, we do. Um, our sister distillery, Tamdu, does. Uh, McAllen built itself on it um, and has done it for very many years, but not many others, really. Um, and we only use really predominantly Oloroso. We've got a PX finish in travel retail, but uh, we don't. Um, so our sherry casks come from Spain. They take six years to make. Uh, so they're new casks. They're Trees from America imported, logs, trees from Spain. And uh, they go through this process of air drying as staves, made into a cask after two years, filled with Oloroso. Now, this is not, I'm being very honest here, this is not Oloroso that you would find in a fantastic store like this at $50 a bottle. It's not that Oloroso. It's Oloroso made for us to our specifications by the fine Jerez producers of 
Olorosoi Sherry made for us. So they make it for us. So we we rent it from them in effect. In effect. They put it, we put it in those newly toasted casks for about two to three years. And then that cask comes to Scotland. Now I want to ask the want to ask you a question, I want to ask everybody else a question. So I'm going to give you a little little sort of scenario. I want to get those casks to Scotland. So we've just spent six years making them. How are we going to do it? Well, most people hands, take hands up for taking them apart. That would make the most sense. That would make the most financial sense. That's right. It? Wouldn't yes. make the most whiskey. Well, you just spent. Six well, we're trying years to. Make, well, we're trying to make good whiskey. Exactly. You've just spent six years. You've just spent six years making them. You spent three years with sherry in them as a cask. Then you empty the sherry. It goes back to the producers. They make brandy with it. Or re- why would you break them up? So we don't break them up. We send them whole because your only your whiskey is only going to taste worse if you break them up. It's not going to taste better, is it? So we don't break them up. We send them all well, because you're still going to have them out. Yeah, you're, you're losing the you're losing the integrity of the cask. You're laying them on a on a on a pallet. Uh, definitely, why it's never going to taste better. So you'd still a bit of sherry in them to transport them back to, and then it's emptied. Yeah. Yeah, you take that out, but that's also to make sure that they're not drying out. On correct. The way, correct. Whereas if in, if you take them apart, they'll dry it. You don't really want to drink that sherry that's left in there to keep them wet. It's quite I think a couple couple other people have said, "Hey, you know, it'd be a great idea. Let's take that. Let's take that stuff and drink it." I've had some of it because it was a great idea, not um, and to try it. So, so it's that attention to detail. So you can only get thirty casks in a container rather than two hundred on pallets, I guess. So, uh, Jim, did you have a question? Thirty casks in a container rather than. Yeah. Jim, All right. So the very, let, very um, good question. I want to let everybody on on Facebook basically know the premise of the question is. Yeah. Right, so. How do you know and what happens to the cast as they age and you start figuring out where they're going to fit as like in the 21, 25 and 30 year range? How is that sort of how will they sort of called off? It's a very, and, and very moved, good question. Moved, moved on. There's a reason our master blender has got a Lamborghini. Because <laughs> the roads are really smooth yeah, in Scotland? Because there's not a there's not, there's a, not a pothole in the country. Not a pothole to be found in Scotland. No, it is it is to do with experience. It is to do with bourbon cast, firstly, let's be very honest. Bourbon cast very consistent. They give you pretty consistent color and flavor in, in Scotch because it's it's a one-minute toasting uh, of charring, sorry. Bourbon from four to six years from Heaven Hill, from Jack Daniels, from wherever. Um, and they're fairly consistent. Sherry cast by their nature are the process takes a lot longer. The toasting can be a little bit inconsistent in terms of temperature. The oaks, European oak, very different. So much more inconsistency. So you'll get two two casts come off a truck at the same time, but made in the same day, done sat at the same bodega with sherry for two years. You'll put spirit in them three years later. One's gone this way, really dark. One's gone very light the other way. So that's the nature of the beast. So it's a very good point. I think um, there'll be certain casts that will start to reach their peak and you, you'll be like, if it gets too much, they'll just get too woody. So we need to use them. That could be 15, 18, however many years it could be. 
we've got to use some in our 30 in our 10 year old as well so um smaller cast hogsheads are going to probably mature quicker than butts um and give more color um and then of course as you get use older whiskies refill casks can really deliver a deliver that long-term type of maturation um, with a little bit of first fill sometimes so it's 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 very complicated but to get whiskies to 30 years old and above and beyond uh is not a simple it's not just it's very rarely but it can be just leaving it in a cask it's not always as simple as that in in it's very rarely, but it can be. Oh, uh, is he saying? Very, what's the odds of when you get to that? Is it is it one cask out of a hundred get to the twenty five or? It could be. I mean, I don't. I mean, let's put it this way. Here's the biggest thing: it, you don't want to start making mistakes now. You know what I'm saying? You don't want to have a lot of casts that you have at twenty five, let's say, or twenty one. Let's let's just say that at twenty one that are not going to get any better. Nope. Because all of a sudden now you have to use those casts somewhere. It's not going to go to waste. They're going to be used in something else. Um, but you really don't want to waste something that you waited that long to get to have it thrown into like, I don't know, a non-age statement or something like that. But when you figure out that you have to use them somewhere and because they can be thrown into vat, the biggest vat, which may be the 10 just to just to move just to move the cast on it's it's very hard to so you don't want to do that it's it's very hard to very hard to put a number on it but let's go for one that's why hundred. that's why it's a uh yeah that's why it, the job is for professional yeah it, yeah yeah the, i mean the, the the guys that put our whiskey together not just it's sorry it's it's john and his and his team of uh of uh emma emma newton as well who came from being a tour guide can i just say and came from being a tour guide did her did her sort of all her blending degree and she's fabulous and she's going to be a real star in this industry. Um, their understanding of casks is, is second to none. And also they have, they can see the historical, and that one's doing what that one did. And this one's doing right, what right, that right. one did. That's quite big as well. So hard to put a number on it, but we'll go for one in a hundred. Okay. All right, let's go. We can't do that, but let's do it anyways. Yeah. All right. Good. All right. So now sort of something that's sort of like, completely different so now we're, we're 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 trying our last whiskey of the evening which is number four yes yeah, so we saw to pull this out of the numeric lineup let's say yeah and we have the one of my favorites is the cast strength yeah um so that there's been the cast strength if you think of actually whiskeys that continually produce a cast strength there's not that many so there really isn't that many um there's not that many whiskeys that go up even even above 100 no exactly yeah no exactly. You know, 100 100 100 proof is yeah, is almost unheard of um yeah. on a, a regular basis and this is so this is we, we did the cast strength this is release number eight double oh eight of the cast strength series um these you probably missed the the double oh seven one was in the bond film did you see it yeah no i didn't <laughs> no neither did i um because it wasn't there, people. Don't get going crazy. <laughs> it wasn't. It wasn't. No, we wasn't there. got that budget. Um, so what I love about this series is it, yes, it has no age. But remember, we're an actually colored product. You're about to taste a whiskey that has no age, and you're about to taste a whiskey that's going to dispel a lot of you. Maybe your thinkings about what no age whiskeys are or what. Natural color. Uh, 006 was all sherry cast. 007 had a bit more bourbon influence. This is 50% first fill. 
uh, casks, and that 50% is split a third by bourbon, American oak sherry, European oak sherry, and the rest is refill. 59.2% alcohol. So that is what, 118 proof? 118.4 proof. Now, when you nose this, what I love about this, when I nose it, I go, there's no way that's 59.2. There's no way that is 59.2. It does not taste or nose of 59.2. That is because all the cast strengths have done that. It's very simple. Great spirit, good casks, and very good ways of bringing them together. We get them like together. butterscotch. You, 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 totally. I mean, I, totally. Right? Yeah. Pull that right up to your nose and, and just give a little sniff. I, I immediately get like uh, Werther's. Werther's original. Originals. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? But there's also there's also that fruitiness we saw in the 10 a little bit. Um, and so 59.2, I, I challenge you to even think it's 59.2 if I said if I hadn't said that to you. So this series is all about really, this is about, I mean, look, it's it's a no age, it's around about a 10-year-old. There may be eights and twelves and things like that, but it, I'm not going to say it's a 10-year-old, but it's somewhere in that region. It's certainly not, it's certainly not five, six, three, four. That's not what we're playing with here. What we are playing with here, though, is is Glengoyne is raw. I'm going to your question at the back. Glengoyne is raw as it can be. So how have we brought this whiskey together? We've brought all those different types of casks, and those ages will be different. We've married them together, and this is where the blending team have absolutely got pretty much free reign to do what they want with, and that's what NAS does. For me, whiskeys like this. Non-age statement. Not non-age statement. Showcase the ability to blend casks, and that's what I love about this. Yes. Showcase the ability to blend casks. Correct. Each cast strength is its own expression. You go by the release, and that is the uh, basically the blenders at the distillery deciding how they're going to do the next release of cast strength. And 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 it's just it's a natural landing spot where this goes. So as they're mixing the casts up, and they're coming to this this their blend. Mm -hmm. Whatever it ends up uh, at a whatever ABV that ends up is what they're going to leave it as. They're not adding any extra water no, no. to this. So that's why cast strength is, sir. You know, a, a single barrel can have be cast strength. It's only that one barrel. You're not adding any water to it. It's yeah. the same principle, only you've blended a bunch of casts together so that each variation of, of, of ABV on each of those casts is going to be different. They're obviously, when they put them together, going to average out. And wherever it ends up, that's where it ends up. We're not adding any more water into it. That's it. Now, that being said, I love cast strength whiskeys and not for the reason that most people think. I don't like cast strength whiskeys because they're cast strength and there are a lot of alcohol in them. I like them because now it allows me to decide where I would like to drink that whiskey. I like what ABV I would like. And that's just a matter of adding how much water I want to add to it. A couple drops. I usually find out that I, if I went back and looked at it, I usually, I, I feel that I, I drink between 100 and 110 proof. Yeah. So, you know, somewhere in there, like 55 to, to uh, 50 to 55 ABV, if you want to put it in ABV terms, that's the way I usually drink it because I want to, I'm looking for flavor and I'm not looking to anesthetize my mouth because I'm usually going to have more than one. Yeah. Two or three. But yeah, that yeah, being yeah. said, there's but but if you just add a couple now, I want everybody if you haven't already, 
right? I've tried this and inside I got the flavor of this whiskey going on. Right. If you all have a water and the best way to do it is to add a couple of drops of water to the cap and then put that into your cup and to add just a little bit of water. The other way you can do it is also is take a, a swig of water and then drink the whiskey you'll 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 get about the same process but add a little water to this and you're going to see the difference in flavor profile that Absolutely. now starts popping in your mouth so what yeah in the mouth is a really good one because we actually i'm not to, to to get a little bit scientific uh for for literally 10 seconds um when you add thin water to thick whiskey you get an exothermic reaction Heat is given off, so your whiskey's it's called chasing the dragon. Yeah. So your 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 whiskey's actually gone up in temperature ever so slightly, and that's just that thin water mixing with that thick thick uh, whiskey, and and that chemical reaction that's going on in there with all those acids and compounds and lipids, all those things. It's very very interesting and very scientific, and yeah. But it changes the mouthfeel. It changes the which aromas are amplified, which is why a lot of people when they, if, if I was speaking to Dave Broom about this, Dave Broom was telling me that, you know, he says, if I was going to do a tasting of, or, or sort of judge a whiskey for a competition or whatever, and it's 60%, I'll tr I, I would reduce it to 20% with water. Takes all the alcohol out of it, and he can nose the, nose the aromas. Remember, he's not trying to have fun with it. He's trying to judge it. Right. We're, we're all trying to enjoy it. Well, I, I got to tell you, uh, one of the things that uh, we do, because we... Uh, uh, we do a geos here tonight and uh, Randall's not here tonight, but we do a lot of the barrel picks um, yeah. and we, we, we blend stuff. We pick barrels and stuff like that. Will, will, if, if we get a bunch of stuff that we've gone through and we've picked stuff, we'll actually take the alcohol out of the picture. We'll go down to like 50 or more of water percent of, of water just to see if there's any, um, cause it'll show uh, uh, flaws. Yeah. If you take the alcohol out, is you, you any exactly. flaw left in the whiskey, you will exactly. find. Exactly. And so we'll just do that to actually like double check our work and making sure we're not picking a whiskey that has a, a flaw in it. Uh, and, and that's one of the things that we do. That's what our blending team do. Yeah. They do exactly the same. They'll take a sample of a cask, they'll nose it, they'll reduce it with water to check there's no flaws or any other rumors that are hidden by the alcohol. Right. Absolutely right. So that's what this gives them a bit of a free range to produce a great whiskey. And, and what they've done here and is collectability now, because now you want one of each batch, don't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and this is this is I mean, this is this is number eight. Number nine's just been released. So it's coming as well. But it really is. Um, I love this because it's got this sort of there's this luscious fruitiness to this. There's a slight darkness in the sherry cask, the butterscotch. I think you're absolutely there's a creaminess, too. There's a, with, the, with, with the addition of water, yeah. it really sweetens up and creams up in the mouth. Very buttery. This beautiful, and that's just that beautiful combination of uh, spirit and cask, you know, and um, just, and, and, and when you buy a cask strength whiskey like this, you're right. It puts you in full control. I think of it as whiskey concentrate. It. it is. And actually, I once had an argument with a man at, a, at an event. It wasn't an argument. It was a discussion. No, it was an argument. And, and he but said go ahead. to me, he said to me, I've just found Glenn going, He's from Scotland. He just said, I, I, he says, um, I've just found Glen going batch number four, which is 59.8%. And I was or something like that. I was like, right. And it was at 60 pounds. And I said, it's pretty good value. Yeah. He says, if I water that down to 40%, right, it's cheaper than a 10 year old. And I'm like, that's a really weird way of using it, but not incorrect. 
And I was like, you I don't know why you would do that, but yes. He's thinking purely on volume. Yeah, I He's get thinking it. purely on nothing else except volume and alcohol. Uh, and I was a little bit like, well, you, I mean, that's a very good calculation to have done. It's not really why we produce it. It's not what we're, it's not a major selling point of this is you get more than the 10-year-old, <laughs> depending on how it's priced. But, it, but it depending on how much he's going to buy, yeah, exactly. because it might be that. Exactly. But That might be the new marketing ploy just for this one man. Buy two cases, sir. Could, it could be. Think yeah. of all the money you'll save. Glenn going castring. Glenn going castring. I have, I've, I've had this argument with uh, uh, my wife about like how much money she's saving me. I could do that with this whiskey. Huh. I'm, he might have something there. What do we think of it? Isn't it great? And uh, I mean, I th- yeah. Can't hear you. All right. So the, the question is, with the, with the green movement coming to, you know, of course, Scotland, how is that going to affect, uh, you know, a Scotch production will affect over, you know, because of anything. Glenn going, of course, doing stuff sort of the old way. How how much more is that going to I mean, you're doing little little steps, but I don't think you produce enough that really is a, a huge worrisome spot for you, is it? No, look, I mean, it was also more to do, I think, when we spoke about the, the sort of global situation that's going on right. at the moment with, you know, everything in terms of, uh, you know, post-pandemic, Ukraine, et cetera, et cetera. Um, look, I think it's a very difficult situation. Um, uh, the supply of scotch is tight at the moment. Um, and uh, I, you know, it's down to a whole load of reasons. But generally, every company's had a, had a pretty good pandemic. You know, uh, people have still been drinking whiskey during the pandemic, generally. <laughs> well, I mean, it real, really, so, just so you know, I mean, uh, I, I wish I could, I, I should have saved the, I probably have it somewhere, the chart about, about um, value. Um, and even with, and even with like inflation, the, the, the liquor industry um, is less susceptible to high, um, inflation rates mm-hmm. uh than most other industries because it because and i think a lot of it's because of that sort of like the the well, the way things are planned out mm-hmm. it's not reactionary no. the, the plan has already been put in motion it's at, and it's an execution of the plan rather than uh a reaction to outside forces uh, that's a very good point it's a very good point i mean certainly you know if, if we look at the, the the things that are moving at the moment Barley prices are moving. Power is moving hugely, as we all know. Um, the supply of corks, bottles, capsules, everything is basically determined by the supplier now. They'll tell you when we get them. So you've gone from two months to six months or whatever. So our purchase of dry goods has gone up in terms of price, but the delivery has gone like that. So uh, there's a lot of factors that affect us, but there's also other factors in terms of containers are, mm-hmm. are less available because of what's going on in China. So there's less ships around at the moment. There's less people to drive lorries. There's less everything around the world. There is less people doing these types of jobs. And so all of that has affected everything. And I think a lot of the issues are 
There's stuff in America that's causing problems. Yeah. There's stuff for us that's causing problems. There's stuff with our suppliers that's causing problems. Um, but the, but the, the, one of the major things that's driving price increase is that you see these whiskies that are produced for supermarkets or whatever for you know relatively cheap prices. It's getting to a point now that it's not worth doing that business because you can sell that whiskey without bottling it to somebody else for more money. So they're paying more. But why are they paying more? Because it's costing more to produce whiskey from whiskey producers. So the price is going up. The secondary market, the broking price that we're right. talking about is going up. So that then, when you look at the litre per alcohol price, has an impact on everyday single malt pricing because it gets the point. If you're looking at it from a purely commercial perspective rather than a brand perspective, why are we putting it in a bottle to a certain extent? It's not quite as dramatic as that, but that has a big factor in it. That's a big, big factor. And all of a sudden, the guy who's taking the 120 and bringing it down to the 60 and bringing it down to 40 is starting to make a lot more sense, isn't he? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, you know, I mean, I, the guy yesterday says, I think Glengoyne's fabulous and, he, and, and I love it. And, and he says, well, I'd love the, I says, the 18 is the best whiskey I've ever drunk. And I really love it at 46. And I said to him, I'm sure you probably would, but you know, that's going to cost us, it's cost 10% more to do really. And, you know, prices are going up as it is. So, right. and we would have less. So, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a always a, there's, there's got to be a balance everywhere, but I, I, I'm not here to say prices aren't going up. They are going up, and uh, it's the, it's well, the let situation me, let, we're in. Let me ask everybody, what do you guys think of the cast rank? They are going up. And, uh, and that, I, it's, it's, it's actually it's, one of my favorites. It's fabulous. The range is fabulous. Given the choice, and I was on a, a whiskey budget tonight, and I, I, that's the one I would take home. I would take that one home. Absolutely no. That is a fantastic draft. Shows all sides of Glengoyne. So let's, let's, let's do this. The 10. You can vote for more than one. They've all got the 10-year-old. So the 12. Let's do this. The 10. The 21. The 21 dark chocolate likes that. The cast strength. Cast strength. So everybody liked one of them. Yes. And, and other people liked them all. And that means <laughs> and that means we're doing something else. Imagine mm -hmm. if we'd gone 10, 12. Uh, cast strength and then nobody put any hands up. No, we'd be in trouble. <laughs> we'd be in trouble there. All right. Um, first of all, we can discuss, we can continue this discussion. If anybody has any questions, let me just end the uh, Facebook thing. I, first of all, for those of you who don't know, um, these, uh, well, this is a Thursday session, but the Wednesday, Whiskey Wednesday sessions, as well as our radio show, it's liquor talking can be picked up on Spotify or wherever you get your podcast. So make sure you check that out, or you can actually watch it on the Julio's Liquors Facebook page. They're, they're up there in perpetuity uh, to, to check out. I want to thank our guest tonight, Gordon. Thank you so much. Pleasure. Sharing these great whiskeys with us. I hope, I hope some of you here tonight have found uh, the unruly crowd has found a new favorite um, that they'll be uh, drinking for a long time. Uh, I want to thank everybody for coming out tonight. Uh, Gordon will stay here for, uh, for ask, uh, answer any questions that you guys have. Uh, remember that uh, anything that you get tonight uh, is you can get it engraved because I think John is still upstairs for like another hour. You can get it engraved, which will obviously make it look really good. If you want, I'll sign it, which will reduce the value. Yes. <laughs> he could sign it and then you could engrave on, engrave the signature <laughs> into it. It's crazy all the things you can do. But thanks everybody on Facebook for watching us. We uh, really appreciate it and uh, keep in touch with us on the uh, on our podcast too. Thank you very much.